are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to the handle Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 322, and we are reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 1, Paragraphs 385 to 391. 385. The Most Holy Mary promised to present his petition to the Lord and that she would fulfill it, if the divine will and condescension should so permit, thus inspiring him with the hope of her assistance and with other consolations of eternal life. She comforted the apostle and strengthened him for his expected martyrdom. Among other words, she spoke to him also as follows. My son James, what torments or sufferings shall ever seem great at the prospect of entering the eternal joys of the Lord? The most bitter shall seem sweet and the most terrible welcome and desirable to him who knows the infinite and highest good, which he shall possess in return for a momentary sorrow. 2 Corinthians 4.17 I congratulate thee, my master, for thy most happy lot, and that thou art so soon to leave the tribulations of this mortal life, in order to enjoy the infinite good as a comprehensor in the gladness of his divine countenance. In this my heart is lightened, that thou art so shortly to obtain what my soul desires for thee, and that thou givest thy temporal life for the unending possession of eternal rest. I give thee the blessing of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, in order that all the three persons in the oneness of their essence assist thee in tribulation and lead thee to the desired end, and my own blessing shall be with thee in thy glorious martyrdom. 386. The great queen added other words of admirable wisdom and highest consolation in parting from St. James. She asked him in her name and in the name of all the creatures to praise God and to intercede for the Holy Church, as soon as he should come to the vision of the Blessed Trinity. St. James offered to do all she desired, and again asked her favor and protection in the hour of his martyrdom. This she once more promised, and taking leave of her, St. James said, My mistress, blessed among women, thy life and intercession is the prop on which the Holy Church now, and during the ages in which it is to exist, shall rest securely in the midst of the persecutions and temptations of the enemies of the Lord. Thy charity shall be to thee the instrument of thy martyrdom. Keep in mind always, as our sweet mother, the kingdom of Spain, where the Holy Church and the faith of thy divine Son and Redeemer has now been planted. Receive it under thy special protection 
and preserve it in thy sacred temple and the faith which I unworthily have preached, and give me thy holy blessing. The Most Holy Mary promised to fulfill his petition and desires, and she parted from him, bestowing upon him her reiterated blessing. 387. St. James took leave also of his brother St. John, who shed abundant tears, not so much of sorrow as of joy, on account of the happy lot of the elder brother, since he was to be the first of the apostles to attain eternal happiness in the palm of martyrdom. Thereupon St. James journeyed, without much delay, to Jerusalem, where he preached for some days before he died, as I shall show in the next chapter. The great lady of the world remained in Ephesus, attentive to all that happened to St. James and all the other apostles, without losing them from her interior vision or intermitting her prayers for them and for all the faithful of the church. At the thought of the martyrdom of St. James for the name of Christ, such conflagrations of love and desires of giving her life for the Lord welled up in the purest heart of Mary, that she merited many times over the crowns gained by the apostles and by all others together. For with each one of the martyrs she suffered many martyrdoms of love, more excruciating to her chaste and burning heart than the torments of sword and fire to the bodies of the martyrs. Instruction which the Queen of Heaven, Most Holy Mary, gave me. 388. My daughter, in the events of this chapter thou wilt find much guidance for a perfect life. Consider then that just as God is the beginning and origin of all the beginning and faculties of creatures, so also according to right reason, he is to be their sole, last end. For if man has received all without meriting it, then he likewise owes all to him who has given it gratis. And if men have received all in order to produce results, then all the results belong to the Creator and not to the creatures. This truth, which I understand fully and pondered in my heart, urged me to prostrate myself and lower myself to the very dust in adoring the immutable being of God. I reflected how I was created out of nothing, formed of earth, and in the presence of God, I annihilated myself, acknowledging him as the Creator, to whom I owe my life, being, and motion." Acts 17.28, and protesting that without him I was nothing, and that all was due to him as the one beginning and end of all creation. In the light of this truth, all that I did and suffered seemed little, and although I ceased not to do good, I continually longed and sighed to do and suffer still more. Never was my heart satisfied, because I still found myself a debtor, getting poorer and even more indebted. This state of mind is very well founded in right reason, still more on faith, and this debt is manifest and common to all men, if they would only direct their attention toward it. But amid the universal forgetfulness of men, I wish, my daughter, that thou solicitously imitate me in the practices and exercises described to thee, and especially that thou humble thyself to the dust and abase thyself in proportion as the Most High raises thee up by the favors and blessings of his right hand. The example of my humility thou wilt see clearly, and evident in the special favors for as, for instance, when he commanded a temple to be built, in which I was to be honored and invoked even during my mortal life. This and other favors humbled me beyond all human imagination. Therefore, if I thus humbled myself after performing such great things, consider how much more thou must do it in response to such great liberality of the Lord toward thee and after such nagardly correspondence on thy part. 389. I wish also, my daughter, that thou imitate me in being very careful to practice poverty of spirit, concerning the use of necessities and comforts offered thee by thy sister nuns or by thy well-wishers. Choose and accept only the most poor and most ordinary, the most undesirable and humble things for thy use, 
For otherwise thou canst not imitate me in that spirit, in which, without ostentation, I refused all comforts and good things of this life, offered to me by the faithful of Jerusalem, and of which I accepted only what was absolutely necessary during my sojourn in Ephesus. In the exercise of this virtue is contained much that will make human beings happy, while the deceived and blind wordlings please themselves in pursuing what is entirely opposed to this virtue and truth. 390. Seek also to guard thyself from another very common mistake, namely that by which men, instead of acknowledging that all the goods of body and soul belong to the Lord, nevertheless appropriate all of them to themselves and consider them so much their own, that they not only refuse to offer them freely to their Creator, but even if at any time they must part with them, lament, and are aggrieved over the loss, as if they had been injured, or as if God had treated them unjustly. With such a disorderly affection, parents are wont to love their children, and children their parents, married men their wives, and wives their husbands, and all of them, their possessions, honor, health, and other temporal goods. While many souls thus love even the spiritual goods, and they go so far in this disorderly love that they have no measure in their sorrow, when they lose them, though it be impossible to recover them, they live in unrest and dejection, passing from the disorder of their sensible affection to the disorder of their reason and to the unjust complaint. Hence they dare not only condemn the rulings of divine providence and lose the merit of sacrificing what is the Lord's, but they wish to have it understood that they esteem the possession of these transitory goods as their highest aim, and that if they were permitted, they would live many ages, content with these apparent and perishing things. 391. None of the children of Adam can have a love greater or equal to that with which I love my divine son and my spouse, St. Joseph. Yet this love was so well ordered while I lived in their company that I willingly sacrificed their conversation and intercourse during all the time in which I was deprived of their presence. This conformity and resignation I desire thee to imitate whenever something is wanting to thee, which thou shouldst love in God. For outside of God thou art permitted to love nothing. The anxious desire of seeing the supreme good and of loving God eternally and forever in heaven must alone be perpetual in thee. For this happiness thou must sigh in tears from thy inmost heart. For it thou must gladly suffer all the hardships and afflictions of this mortal life. Thou must live in these aspirations in such a way that from now on in trying to make thyself worthy of God, thou wilt be anxious to suffer all that thou hearest or understandest, as having been suffered by the saints. But remember these desires of suffering and these aspirations and attempts to see God are to be of such a kind that thy suffering becomes real through thy sorrow at not being able actually to encounter actual torments and at not being found worthy of bearing all the martyrdom thou thus desirest. In thy flights of desire to arrive at the beatific vision, thou must permit no other lower motive to intermingle, such as the relief afforded by the joy of God's vision and against the hardships of this life. For to desire the vision of the highest good is not love of God, but love of self and of one's own comfort, and cannot merit reward in the eyes of all the penetrating and all-weighing omnipotent God. But if thou do all these things sincerely and in all perfection as a faithful servant and spouse of my divine Son, desiring to see him in order to love him, praise him, and never to offend him eternally, and if thou covet all labors and sufferings only for these ends, believe me and assure myself that thou wilt draw us to thee, 
and that thou will arrive at the kind of love thou continually desirest, since precisely for this purpose we are so liberal with thee. This concludes our reading today for day number 322. We've been reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 1, Paragraphs 385 to 391. One of the things that I know that we will be reading here as we finish up this volume is that we will be reading about the Dormition of Mary, her transition from this life to eternity, her assumption into heaven, body and soul. And one of the things I know from homilies that some of the Greek fathers have given and such, and also just I know that I've read it here as well, because I've spot read the mystical city of God previously, is that the apostles will be by Mary's side as she leaves this world. And I guess I always assumed all the apostles would be there. But today in our reading, we learn that St. James is going to be the first to be martyred, and it seems that St. James is going to be martyred pretty soon. In fact, we're going to read about the glorious martyrdom of St. James tomorrow, as that begins chapter 2 of book 8. And if James then is martyred, and already enjoys eternity as Mary is here on earth still in our reading, I wonder what that news meant to the other apostles. Because I'm sure like that reality began to set in. I'm probably going to die for what I believe in. James already has. Will I be next? When will my time come? How will I die? And I would think that the apostles would begin to consider all of those things as they go about their ministry and their work. This is something called memento mori, remember death, knowing that we will die one day. And maybe today as we reflect on the forthcoming martyrdom of St. James, I always ask that question, would I die for what I believe in? Or would I want to keep living? Would I die? It's a good question. But also, I think too, we can use it to reflect today also on the fact that one day I will die and ask, am I ready for that moment? Is there more that I wish to do? Do I need to reconcile with God? Do I need to go to confession? We don't know the day or hour, so it's important for us to always remain in God's grace. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.